0: the queer family podcast love is love is love on the queer family podcast love is love is love on the queer family podcast love is love is love on
1: the queer family podcast love is love, love, is love. we definitely need to be safe but now that we have kids i we take it obviously even further we need to make sure that it's it's safe but we're not just a same-sex couple, we're a same-sex Jewish couple, mm-hmm. and Jews have the, the anti-Semitism that's been on the rise these last couple of years is
0: is scary. Yes. Welcome to the Queer Family Podcast. My name is Jamie. I'm your host, and you are tuning in to the Queer Family Podcast Pride Extravaganza. That means that the entire month of June, Pride Month, we are pushing out double the episodes. And the episodes we have shared so far are amazing. The folks who came in to share their stories are all change makers, are all using visibility to make this world a better place for everyone. And I am here for it and I am here for them. And I'm still in shock that all of these amazing, 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 amazing guests said yes, <laughs> including the ones that are today's episode. I'm, let me just tell you who it is right now and then I'll get to the other business. Britt and Sydney Sharon a.k.a. the Sharon Moms on social media. Uh, They are very visible on social. They share their lives. They are two moms who made their three babies through IUI and Reciprocal IVF. A nice lesbian story coming at you. And they are very open about their queerness, their queer journeys, and also the fact that their Jewish faith plays a really important role in their lives. And they share what it means to them, what everything means to them openly and honestly. And I can't wait for you to hear their story because they're bomb. I love them. They're my new BFFs, but they don't know it. But before I roll the tape for that, I do want to tell you a little something. I have a proud mama moment coming at you. Now, a lot of you, like y'all know that I'm always saying, I need to make enough money on this podcast so I could quit my day job. (laughs) The truth is, I don't want to quit my day job. I actually really love my day job because I work for an organization called National Dance Institute that basically reaches the lives of over 6,000 children in New York City public schools a year through the art form of dance. It's a really fantastic program. I'm a teaching artist with them. I feel very passionate about this program. And (laughs) my children's school is one of the only schools in our neighborhood that does not have our program. And I have been working really hard to get NDI is what it's called. In my kids' school, like since my daughter started in pre-K, she's in fourth grade now. She is finally in the program because they, they have like a special Saturday program. So she's in there. She was in the big show this weekend, this past weekend. Very big deal for all of us. My son was in it too, actually. She took it upon herself to type a letter and print it to her principal saying, please come to my show. I would really love you to. And please, I would love to have NDI in our school. Could you please do that? She wrote, she did this all on her own. She put the flyer for the show in there. And then Saturday comes around, it's our third show, and I get an email from our principal. Hi, Jamie, I'm going to come to the NDI show. First of all, she came, she brought little gifts for my kids. And then she signed up for NDI in the school. I, I I told Rose, I was like, Rose, you did that. You did that. She's like, I did that. I did. She is so proud of herself. And I am so proud of her for just taking initiative and thinking, I'm I, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a positive change in my school community. And I think this is important and I want this to happen. She also put like subtle reminders about pride on the envelope. She, she was like, and I put some rainbows on the envelope just to remind her about pride. <laughs> She also got, we also did a really great job of getting like better pride celebrations in our school too, which is pretty awesome. So I'm just like having such a proud mama moment about the awesome individual my daughter with two moms is turning into. She's turning into a little change maker herself. And I feel good about that. I feel real good. Anyway. Okay. Enough about me. Before I roll the tape, Just remember, if you really like what you're hearing, if you love these episodes, if you love all these stories about queer families, please consider joining my Patreon. I have various tiers that start at just two bucks a month, and that's where you're going to get bonus content like video episodes dropped a day early on our YouTube channel. Ooh, and if you're watching the video, you'll see I am all prided up. I got my pride bandana. I got my pride flag flowing behind me. And I am wearing one of our shirts that we have in our merchandise store. This one said, I'm trying to stand up for you. And if you see the video, it's very comical. But it says visibility matters. <laughs> And um is bomb, and we have various designs. We have various designs in our merchandise store. And you can find that at tpublic.com slash family podcast. Also on our website at thequeerfamilypodcast.com. Don't forget to follow us on all the socials. We are on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at the Queer Family Podcast. And that's where you're gonna get those video episodes. Okay. That's all I had to say. I love y'all. I'm so glad you're tuning in. Share these things far and wide and do not forget, it really makes a difference if you rate and review us wherever you listen to your pods because we really want to get these stories out to an even broader audience so that we can normalize our families to an even, even higher degree. (laughs) It's all in the name of representation and normalization because visibility matters. It matters so much. All right. So I'm going to ask my lovely assistants, Helen and Beulah, my lovelies, my darlings, please roll that tape. They're not real. I don't have assistants. (laughs) I still work a day job, so I can do this. (laughs) Thank you, Helen and Beulah, my fake assistants. Roll the tape, please. Queer family podcast, love is love. Hello, Sydney and Britt. Welcome to the Queer Family Podcast, Pride Extravaganza. <laughs>
1: Thank you for having us. Hi.
0: I'm so happy to have you. We've already, listeners, not going to lie, we've already been chat. We've already been chatting way too long, and it's been fun. <laughs> and I was like, we have to press record, or we're just going to keep on going <laughs> and never have an episode. So I'm super excited to have you. You're famous. If you don't know who they are, then you're just not on a computer or a phone or something. But (laughs) in case there's anybody who's out there who doesn't know who you two are, let's give them your 30-second elevator pitch of who you are and why you're here talking to the Queer Fam Squad. On your marks, (laughs) get set, go.
1: We are Sydney and Britt. We met in high school. We traveled abroad for a year for our first year of college to Israel. We came home and finally got together. In the last 10 years, we've gotten married. We just celebrated seven years together. We have three donor conceived babies, two through IUI, one through reciprocal IVF. I, Sydney, carried all three of them. I love being pregnant. I don't know why. And when we were pregnant with our first, we discovered that my dad was a sperm donor, and I've discovered six. Donor siblings since
0: boom. Jeez,
1: that you was did 35 it, seconds.
0: Sydney. No, no you that did was it.
1: Not 30, it was perfect.
0: I listen. We just h- talked about your whole story. I didn't think you were going to get it all in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <I> mean, because <laughs> Britt kept piping in. I'm very. But we do have two sides to the story, I guess.
0: Yeah. How did it all start? Let's let's go into that.
1: We're in a club in Tel Aviv.
0: Oh. And
2: she has a a story that like I. Basically, persuaded
1: her. No, no, no you blackmailed me. No, I mean, <laughs> call a spade a spade. No, that's your recollection of. I this. was. I needed help. I was looking for my friends, and yeah. she said, "I know where they are, but I won't let. You, I won't." That sounds t- so like sleazy. It was
0: <laughs> no. Listen, it's not sleazy when it's a lesbian. Like, I, wait, do you both identify as lesbians? I don't really know how
1: I identify. I identify as sexual
0: Okay, I like that. So
1: then you can call me queer, gay, lesbian. I, I and like, I don't take offense to it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Gotcha.
1: However you want to. Yeah. Yeah. So we, but I had only dated guys leading up to Brit. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the innocent until proven guilty. Everybody (laughs) assumes you're straight until you say you're not.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, And then you have to apparently
1: choose a label and it's a lot. Yeah. So I'd only ever been with guys leading up to Brit. And then that first kiss story was not, was me still being with guys. And I was looking for my friends and Brit said, I'll take you to them. But you have to kiss me first.
2: <laughs> did you really Which say is that? So I kissed.
1: Not how it happened. Okay. That's literally how it happened. How did it happen? No, it yeah. Wasn't. yeah, we Brit. kissed we were her. dancing,
2: and we made out while we were dancing. No, yeah. Well, no. did we not kiss on the dance floor? But there was that
0: that <laughs> that moment.
2: I didn't even know where your friends were.
0: <laughs> it must have been so hard to kiss Brett. I'm sure you didn't want to.
1: It was not it was so bad. I had to marry her. <laughs> 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 Brick considers that our first kiss. I don't consider that our first kiss, even though we kissed.
0: But, but then what's your first kiss?
1: And like just wanting... A quick hookup. Like, like it's not even a full hookup. It was just like a,
2: at a club and then we parted ways. We didn't even like leave together and we were having fun. Yeah. But then we, you know, maybe 18 months later, I'm in... LA. She's in Maryland. We're like Skyping all the time together. Mm-hmm. She's like in Britain, this, like, cold frost in Maryland. <laughs> and I'm in like, I have like palm trees and blue skies behind me. And she's like, I'm over this. <laughs> she like, she transfers schools uh, that winter and she comes to LA. And I come back
1: to LA. We're both yeah, from We're here.
2: both from LA. She's, now she, I'm at like my university. She's at like a community college trying to figure her stuff out. She eventually transfers to my school.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then she meets me after work and i know i know what you're referring to as like our first kiss although it's not because we clearly kissed but like a kiss. year earlier <laughs> it's a kiss like it doesn't need to be the beginning of our relationship oh my gosh but it's it was- a kiss
0: wait, wait hold on um, wait let me, I mean, me the
2: story's being taken too long to let tell let me
0: backtrack though um, because wait sydney was that your first kiss of a female no but like <laughs> no
1: <laughs> but she's never been with women before. But don't like, but don't <laughs> girls? She do not know how to tell a but story. But don't, isn't like, don't, that like a thing that like girls?
0: do <laughs> yeah when they're gay <laughs> <laughs> yeah when they're gay pretty much i mean i guess i don't know i don't know listen i, I listen we're, okay. but okay, so. okay asking the wrong people <laughs> yeah. wrong audience hard, yeah. it's hard for us to know what the others do right
1: they and all just, kiss girls and then i feel like gay. when you talk to like women who identify as straight they're like yeah of course we've made out with girls right because interesting. Well I think everybody's a little bit gay. So do
0: I. (laughs) I actually do too. It's like a strong held belief. Everybody's kinda gay. Come on.
1: It is.
2: She's like everybody's a little bit I think a lot of men are conforming to society. Yeah. Yeah. Because of fear and um and just like inherited you know, beliefs, beliefs. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: Everyone's a little gay. Me but too. Br- it was the totally first agree. person that I was like, seriously attracted to wanted to be with who happened to be female. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then when I realized that I did seduce her, I did make all the first <laughs> moves, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is really ballsy. I do too. Um, and then that was the first day of spring break,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then we were, we're, um, like 20. we're in school still. And we've been together literally every day ever since. So it was a slow we burn, but it was a U
0: haul. It was a U haul. Yeah. Is
1: there any other way?
0: <laughs> I know so there's it's, no other way. I mean, <laughs> these a lot of these interviews turn into that. Oh, we U hold. Anytime I'm talking to lesbians, I, it's like it's just yeah. a situation. It is what it is.
1: <laughs> well, I was just like, well, I love you and I want to spend... I don't Let's want to lose you. Yeah. <laughs> it's- we have no dicks to kick around with. Yeah, right. exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: So we, yeah, we've been together ever since. And that was 14 years ago,
2: uh, around this time. So it was around like Easterish. Yeah, and, like spring break. Why would you say Easter, not Passover?
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <I> <laughs> it was literally
0: during Passover. And faith is a huge part of your lives and we want to dig into that too. But before we get into that let's talk about baby making when did the conversation come up and how did you decide you wanted to do it like what was the conversation around it we have a lot of decisions to make right before we start
1: it came up like date one of yeah we, it was like one of those first dates because things, like how many
2: kids do you want you know it's mm-hmm. like and we both said four huh. and um I also like I don't know why we said four it was because obviously <laughs> it's what we wanted but like I don't, <laughs> I don't know it's different we have different approaches to it right she's always wanted to be a when you asked her as a child, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? She'd be like, a mommy. Mm -hmm. And I like never really saw how I was going to be a mother or Mm. a parent. And I just figured it happens. Like I, like I never put too much thought into it. We always knew we wanted kids. When we were engaged, we decided to like, as our registry, we would instead have a, um, we had a future family fund. We had a future family fund and we asked people to to donate to that.
0: That's so smart.
2: We didn't know
1: how we were going to get pregnant. We
0: yeah.
2: didn't
1: know if we were going to do at home.
2: We weren't really even, I, like, we, educated
1: about it. Yeah, right. we had no education about forward. it, but we knew it was going to cost money. We didn't know how much. Right. We didn't.
0: Also, might I add, 14 years ago, there was so much less out there than there is now. Like so yes. much less, right? At least yeah. now, podcasts like this exist and you know, accounts Social like your Instagram. Exactly. exactly.
2: Well, that was it. Well, you know, When we were starting to interview fertility doctors, we turned to each other and said, yeah, like we have all these questions because we don't know the answers are not on the internet. And we told this to these doctors and we're like, what's the statistic? Like how effective would IVF be for us? How effective would IUI be for us? And they're like, well, I mean, they are healthy young people without, you know, the way to get pregnant. So I really can't tell you. And they kept saying like, we're just going to treat you like you're in the wild. (laughs) And like we're just two people in the wild having sex, but we're like, ha- like to get pregnant.
0: These and two like, rabid lesbians oh. just yeah, out there. Like
2: in the wild, just wild Bumping. Women. I don't.
0: Know. Like,
2: yeah. What? So I was like, okay, let's put our own content out there because I don't want to start the narrative as like
1: women in the wild. Yeah, <laughs> like, we we. So. I think that when we started our our Instagram page, it was to it started as a way for us to document our journey as like a future love letter to our potential babies down the future so that they can see their story unfold. Of course, now it's kind of like the, I mean, at least it's the norm for us on what I see on my page, because we're obviously like, yeah, yeah, you see what you You want to see. Um, Mm -hmm. But four and a half, five years ago, you didn't see a lot of people, couples documenting and sharing their story. Mm-mm. So we always knew we wanted to get pregnant. We always knew we wanted a big family. We had that future family fund. The first the first things that we kind of did simultaneously was find our doctor and a sperm bank. Mm-hmm. Finding the doctor was really easy for us. I do think that there is a plus to us being in Los Angeles and having mm-hmm. access to not just quality doctors, but having access to doctors who treat families like ours.
0: Who don't just put the rainbow up on their website, but who are actually also doing the work and actually know how to- Exactly. Treat us.
1: Our doctor is the same doctor that my cousins used. Um, a referral? It was uh, a referral from family. So I just trusted- blindly we were we, we did meet with him first and I was like oh my god I we love him interview many others we were really
2: happy the moment we met our our fertility doctor and um you know three for three so yeah
1: he's he's been incredible choice. and then in terms of sperm pain that was also kind of an easy choice for us we yeah. again turned to our community. community and we have another two-mom family right. but they're my parents age so they're a generation ahead of us and, and, their and they are about 10 years younger than us yeah mm-hmm. so they've They've been through it, and they used California Cryobank there you go. all those decades ago. And I was just like, I want reputable. I want well-known. I want safe. I want security. And California Cryobank checked all those boxes for us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Finding our sperm donor. thats
0: This is the search for Superman. Here it comes.
1: I do all of the organizing and planning and work, and I start months in advance. And I think I've been on the the website for about four months. I kept <laughs> reconfiguring those the search on, like, what I'm looking for. And I remember throwing, throwing my laptop to Brit. She was in the bedroom on in the bed and I threw it. I was like, you find him. I I don't What what am I looking for? Like I have Brit. I just need sperm. You can't really go wrong with any of the sperm donors there. They're all screened and good quality. So like, but I'm not marrying this person,
0: but we get crazy. We get crazy. We get crazy.
1: Yeah. Not not Brit, not, not miss logical over here. I I found the guy in like, 20 minutes, 20 minutes.
0: Wow. Really? 20. Like
1: I've been searching for four months. Yeah. <laughs> wait, so wait, wait, wait. I like,
0: yeah. <laughs> Which is very us. What were your parameters? Like, what were you, what did you keep changing?
1: I don't remember. I was like, do like, I, I don't, I don't know, but like, I can tell you what I left up. I, I just kept like, I'm like, <laughs> do I care about eye color? Right. Not really. And of course, w- knowing what I know now and not only knowing what I know now as a donor recipient, but knowing what I know now as a person who works at California Cryobank, mm-hmm. it is not just the two DNAs you're putting together. It is the whole DNA, genetic, makeup, and history okay. of both lifelines. Oh. Yeah. yeah like, right. All our, then, all our kids have different color eyes. What? Nathan has blue eyes. Mm-hmm. I do not have blue eyes. Mm-hmm. The donor our donor does not have blue eyes. eyes. I have hazel and the donor has hazel.
0: Right. Well, that means you both have the recessive gene. So, exactly cool. right.
1: And it's not even her,
2: both parents have recessive genes. It's, they both have grandparents with blue eyes. So it's a toss up the odds up with of that you.
0: are low. Right. Totally. Totally.
2: So I had a few parameters.
1: I wanted them at least six feet tall because. Well, I, actually, I have two biological brothers from birth oh. and Britt has a brother and we both have dads and all of them are like between 5'11 and 6'1, 6'2. So we were like, let's kind of create a genetic makeup that is them. I also think I had it easier because
2: I knew I didn't want to carry. Not that I I didn't want to carry. It was that I wanted someone that could potentially look like if Sydney and I had a baby, this Mm -hmm. person, like, would be like more, a melt, like, a, yeah. like yeah. It would be a blend of us. Right. So I didn't look at Jewish ancestry. Actually, I, I didn't care about um, ancestry or religion because I felt like anyone we
1: chose or any child that we brought into our home would be raised with our influences. Right. Also, technically, um, by Jewish law, as long as the mother is Jewish, your ch- children are Jewish, yeah. and we're both Jewish, right?
0: And also, religion religion happens in the home, right? Like, yeah. yes. you know, you can, you can be born of a religion, but if if you don't if you're not taught it or practice it at home, then you know What I mean, like it's yeah. all for nothing,
1: and, but right. they but California Crown Bank does have that as a, a filter. And we then, did the height, we did brown hair, we yeah. all have brown hair in our family, mm-hmm. yeah. So that was He's easy a p-
2: for us personal preference. And then, um, the last one was blood type, practical. So, um, it, it makes so much yeah, sense. So if we wanted to, if anything, if our kids ever needed anything, at least we would have. There's a potential, obviously, like you can't guarantee your your child's blood type, but, you know, it definitely improves odds. But right. those three filters <laughs> alone brought it down to like less than a dozen. You know, it was like maybe 15. Right. And then um, I kind of narrowed it out. Like there are donors. California Cryobank has been around for so long that there are donors that donated you know, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. And so I really wanted someone that was more age appropriate to us Mm. so that if our children connected with them, they would have, um, they would be alive. I,
0: we, I didn't know this and they
2: yeah, I mean, we've been doing IVF and, and artificial, you know, insemination since the I don't, I don't remember. 60s,
1: 50s. I, mean, I don't remember like, how old the donors were that we opened. But Like, like 70, you know, when,
2: like they were born 1975, 1965. Right. Like, are they going to be around
1: or,
0: right.
1: you know. We wanted someone age appropriate. So w- when you only have a few to pick from, you know, you open each one in a new tab. Mm-hmm. And then we very quickly X'd out of the ones that we didn't consider age appropriate. Mm-hmm. We wound up choosing a donor who was born the same year as us. So obviously, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to be around. But we think it increases the chances that if we think we're age-appropriate to have kids, then so is this potential person in the future. They'll be at the same points in life as we are potentially. potentially, right? Right. Like, Yeah, it makes perfect sense.
0: When we were picking our donor, I feel like they were all of the same age and they were all younger than us. Like, they were all born in the 80s. So I didn't notice any from from before but that's interesting it might have just been how our search trickled down and we never we didn't see any of the older ones but that's interesting i didn't know that about the bank
2: in 20 years when or 19 years or 18 years when our kids are like going to look for you know information about them i want them to feel like if that person wants a relationship with them and they're open to a relationship it's not like a grandfather experience
1: but more of a parent experience and then we literally went straight to the health history the the ex- the expanded family health history where it's siblings, parents yeah. aunts, uncles, grandparents that are all biologically related to the donor. I literally opened everyone. I was like, nope, too much, yeah. too, too much, too much, too much. And you know what? I, I we have three <laughs> kids now. I feel
0: like we got top shelf sperm, so yeah. like I'm I think you did really well. Happy. <laughs> so so you narrowed it down real quick. Brit and then Sid, Sydney got on board, and we
2: had to. And Sydney didn't mention this. We had to because we had our in, in, we had our appointment like in four days or seven days.
0: Yeah. So you finally did. You got it. You did it. And then um, I want to know, Brit, how did you feel about being a non-bio parent?
2: I never had a, an issue. I think um, I knew I never wanted to carry, and and not in like uh, any particular reason. I think it just wasn't in like, not something of interest to me, mm-hmm. but I knew I wanted kids. So I felt like, you know, I've always thought in my head adoption or, or fostering a child or, you know, so I feel like it was never, never a consideration. I was there through the pregnancy. I was there through the doctor's appointments, all that stuff. So, and if you see the way I love on these kids, it's like, oh. they are, yeah. they are literally me.
0: Yeah. 100%.
2: And people actually ask me so much. They're like, how do you feel that like this, this, you know, Zoe is, your, your DNA. And I'm like, literally have, no, there's no, difference. There's no Same, difference, right. You know? Yeah. I, I would do anything for all of them. So yes. there's no difference. I am telling you all this in hindsight, right? Like right. I really don't remember those thoughts beforehand. You never had those thoughts. I don't think I did. I, but I also
1: wasn't but having these conversations Brit, to like really elaborate and go deep into right. it. But Britt's so, also a gem of a human being. So like, for me, it's like, of it's no surprise saint. <laughs> You are a saint. Working With California Cryobank and and Donor Egg Bank and seeing what people do, how much they go through to have children, biological or not, I get it. Like I empathize and I sympathize and I I would walk until my feet came off to have any kind of child Mm -hmm, ever. mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily like if it happened or didn't happen for Brit, it would happen or didn't happen for Brit.
0: You're not alone in that. Like a lot of times I've interviewed a lot of couples, right? in same-sex couples. And a lot of times there's one in the couple who feels the same way as you, Britt, which is always like the best scenario because then it's an easy decision on who's going to carry, how this is all going to go. You know, it's harder when you both feel exactly the same way. And that's kind of one of the conundrums of our families.
1: We've gotten lots of like, well, why don't you guys just carry at the same time? Uh And I'm like, are you... Moving in with us to help raise—it's <laughs> <That's> not logical. <laughs> I was like, that's because people are like, "Oh, well, then let's fix this. Like, if Britt doesn't want to, that no, she must want to." Right. And I'm like, "I have no, not. not every, you know what is interesting? Not every woman I had wants a lot to." Of women
2: in my family approach me and say, "You're going to regret this." <gasps> Little do they know that Cindy was already pregnant with our second. And I, was I was a little like- hormonal, and I was like, "We got to
1: leave this establishment yeah. because I'm like, not here It right now. was so
2: uncomfortable. I was like, I was just like
1: smiling and nodding
2: because, wow. like, that's like to me, like, just the easiest way to stop a conversation right. <laughs> <laughs> by like letting them say what they have
1: to say and then, like, you know, but that's- not having anything. But what complain. about what about women who don't want to carry and have kids at all? Right, like that's totally valid. Also, exactly.
0: And this is the kind of shit we go through as women, and the kind of shit we go through is. Queer parents, right? The people say the craziest stuff to us. They really the do. Craziest stuff. They really do.
1: So, yeah, for us, the whole choosing who was going to carry was easy, like mm-hmm. I, me.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Actually. Um, <laughs> but the first time we knew it was going yeah. to be me. We knew we were going to do IUI. We wanted to try as naturally as possible. Mm-hmm. I, I also have PCOS. So, I figured that I was going to have this huge uphill battle mm-hmm. with my hormones not working. Right. So I wanted to do monitoring. I wanted to be on Clomid. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do an HCG trigger shot, all of it. So we did all of that. And then we got pregnant on the first shot. Oh, whoa. Good job. And then I was in denial about it <laughs> until Thea was about four months old. <laughs>
2: like, like, <out>. like <laughs> not four months pregnant. Oh, months. sorry. Oh, when
0: she was, yeah, when Thea was four months <laughs> I old. I heard you. I heard that. I definitely heard that. I mean, because when it happens on the first try, we don't expect that. We're not ready for that. And not only that, I was like, okay, fine.
1: I'm pregnant, but when am I losing it? Right. So I spent right. most of my pregnancy, right. like, waiting right. for and something. my, my this
2: was like, oh, you just get pregnant. Like, there's, like, Bridges, no complications. Yeah, Britt <laughs> was like, we're going <laughs> like, to go get pregnant. No, I was just, I'm, I, I'm the baby of my whole family tree. Yeah, She's the oldest one. She witnessed her mom going through fertility issues. I now know my mom. Parents went through it, but I never
1: witnessed it. Right. You know? so it was just my like, family's also very yeah. open and talks about it, and her family is way more conservative and doesn't. Mm-hmm. So we got pregnant. I was terribly sick for like 18, 19 weeks. Um, still decided to get pregnant again. Same. It was brutal and wonderful. And we did a home birth with Thea, and it was it was incredible. Mm-hmm. It, and I I delivered on her due date. So of course. 40 weeks come December 1st, and everybody left the house because who goes into labor on yeah, their nobody. due date, especially nobody. with the first? So everybody left, and then I realized I was in labor, and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to call Brit last because she's going to freak out. (laughs) So I called her last and she freaked out. I called my mom. I said, mom, get over there now. Her mom was already there. I'd already called Dana and was like, I need you to come and babysit me. And everybody showed up. We had an eight hour labor. It was beautiful. I got to go in the hot tub for a little bit. It was wonderful. It was great. So about what, like six? seven eight months later i was like okay we should probably start talking and planning for baby number two but like you're crazy but fine whatever and i was like you really should carry it's a beautiful experience but like i don't really want to and i was like no you really should <laughs> and after a few months we were in the canyon we were driving um, to, back to my parents oh, yeah. house and Britt's like fine i'll do it okay. and i just I started to, like, psych myself up for like months <laughs> and i was like i just started sobbing oh. and she's like what's wrong and i was like I really want to carry again. And she's like, why on earth (laughs) did you just spend months trying to get me to do it when I don't want to and you do? And I was like, well, I thought we were taking turns because, like, that's so cute. And that's what we should do. And she's like. That's what we told people. Should do. Should do according
0: to who? We make the rules in these queer families. Hey. I think has
1: always been kind of a gift we did that with our wedding too i remember going to my mom and i was like mom i don't know how to do this and who should stand here and what should what my mom's like there are no rules to weddings people think that there are these traditions it should be whatever you two want to make for the rest of your life
0: valid she's smart yeah my mom's fantastic
1: um so we were ready to start trying and i told Britt i was like i want to start trying because we're going to do iui again and it's not going to take on the first try again so we should probably start psyching my body out (laughs) (laughs) um 11 i'm still like naive to like fertility. Mm-hmm. I was exclusively, anything. exclusively breastfeeding Thea. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was breastfeeding her during my second IUI transfer f- to get pregnant the second time. And, um, we left the room to go pay for our insemination. And Britt looked at me and she goes, we just closed on our house. And I was like, I think we just got pregnant. <laughs> oh my and she's like, why would you say that? Like, I'm sure we did, but like, why? And I was like, cause when it rains, it pours. Yeah. So two weeks later I peed on a stick and it was Positive in seconds. Holy, you're just meant for this. Also, her mom was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that. Oh, my mom has been at the conception of all of our children. <laughs> of course. I love her mom. So, like, it's not like I'm like your mother's with us. <laughs> it's not like that. But she now has to be at the conception of all of our children because she's obviously the good luck child. Right. Okay. So that happened. We got pregnant. I was 11 months postpartum when I got pregnant. We had Nathan when Thea was 20 months old. We got um, the August. house. The same day he was born, oh August 2020, and if that date mm. jogs a memory, it's because we were deep into the pandemic. Now we were mm-hmm. so again. I had another home birth, which I was really grateful. I was mentally, pre- mentally, physically, emotionally prepared for because hospitals, hospitals were the last yeah. places most like people no wanted would- to be. We had Nathan, and um, life got really difficult. Uh, we had two kids under two. Thea was full time at home. I joke, but not really that I had six full weeks of recovery with Thea and about six hours with Nathan, yeah. like wrap it up, mom, you got a toddler to take mm-hmm. care of. And we didn't send Thea to school until she like the day before she turned two. Mm-hmm. So my entire newborn postpartum, that fourth trimester with Nathan, I had a toddler home with me the whole time. That's
0: hard, man.
1: And she was like tandem feeding. Oh my God. I hated it. Yeah. I And there are some women, everybody was like, we are waiting for the photos of you tandem feeding. And I was like, this is
0: actually awful. Oh, God. It's such, it can be such a hard time. And it's the fourth trimester. You're supposed to be like really secluded and you know, you're supposed to have that time. And it's, it's hard when you already have a kid. Yeah. It was um, like just a shock to
1: all of the senses, I think. Mm-hmm. So we knew that when we were ready for number three, we needed both kids in, in school. We needed them to be well-adjusted. Shy of two was really hard. Zoe came when Nathan was two and a half. So far, it's been a lot.
0: You just had Zoe. How old is Zoe?
1: Zoe's two months old. Oh
0: my yeah. god, it's a baby! Congrats! Yeah, she's
1: right there. She's was sleeping. it? Wait, was she's the easy.
0: conception just as easy as the other two?
1: Longer <laughs> process. We did reciprocal IVF. Oh right. Yeah, oh yeah, so yeah. Yeah. So, so then shots. you did
0: reciprocal. So now we did Brit's egg. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think I was,
2: I took it like a champ. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the shots. Like I, I felt like, I think I did.
1: You, d- you <laughs> took the shots very well. The shots that I had to administer. Mm-hmm. Hers were gnarly. I'm not going to lie. Hers were gnarly and I felt bad every time I had to do it. So the retrieving, when you do the egg retrieval, those needles are like mm-hmm. super teeny tiny, super skinny. They go in your skin like butter. Mm-hmm. You could do it on yourself. And I've had to give myself shots like that for years with PCOS medication. Mm-hmm. So when Britt was like, you need to do it. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. I was to a champ
0: because I've done IVF or just personally. Yeah. So I know.
1: Britt was a champ doing, like, having me give her the shots, the retrieval itself. It was the recovery. I had never been put under anesthesia. Mm-hmm.
2: So I think my body just had, like, its first reaction to it. And it was just really tough um, for, like, three weeks until my period, until my next period. Yeah. You know, I, I have, like, a very strict workout regimen and um all this stuff and they were like yeah after six days you can go lift again and I was just like okay so like day seven or day six I went and lifted I would say a mediocre workout yeah. it definitely wasn't an easy like easy one and the next day I was nauseous it was I was bad. feverish oh, shit. and uh you know we have a great relationship with our fertility doctor so like we were on a texting basis and he's like you should probably wait until your next period to do anything and right. I was just like Oh,
0: interesting, good to know.
2: I had to really take it easy and it was like the fact that I had to go through that stuff.
1: The recovery for her was yeah, brutal. What's interesting about IVF? I mean, I guess with IUI too. I don't know why this felt so different, but choosing the day to transfer the embryo Oh yeah, was really significant for me for her. And I was just like, no, no. So I this, wanted, this I wanted to make sense. I wanted to transfer right away. I wanted to transfer in like the beginning mid-May, mm-hmm. but we were leaving for Toronto Bio-Sib. to one of my bio sibs weddings. Oh my God, I my bio-sib, meaning meaning yeah. So I, I have six bio siblings that I know of. My dad was a sperm donor and one of my sisters was getting married and obviously we were going to go. And I wa- really wanted to like you know, when you do IVF and you do the embryo transfer, you're pregnant until proven otherwise. Yeah. So like, I wanted to be there. Yeah. And Britt was like, really, can you we wait like two extra weeks to do your transfer? You can travel. We don't have to do any of the shots. You could... Can- Drink. Yeah. Um. You can have a good time. Also, the You're difference in, be, like run down from any like drugs on. Right. Your the system. difference of those three weeks, one would have had us have a January baby, and one would have had a February baby, and we were still concerned with um COVID. And Brits like, God forbid, something goes wrong. Like, I if we have to go to a hospital if we travel, like, I want I want to make sure that like the wave of COVID is down.
2: It was bad, and I was like, you really want to like have a baby during like a winter spike? It's like. How about we just not
1: and like a few extra weeks for potential of being a little bit safer with delivery date. So um, I begrudgingly like was like, fine, I'll wait. And we went in for our first embryo transfer. And now we have baby Zoe.
0: You're one of the one of the only couples I have ever spoken to who actually who who planned it out like we all do had had plans and it actually went the way you wanted it to like that doesn't happen.
1: I have a lot of guilt with my fertility. Yeah, I have yeah, guilt no, with being yeah. in the fertility community. I also, I think, part of the reason why it's hard for me to identify and pick a label at, in in the LGBTQ world is because I just fell in love with someone, and it happened to be a girl. Mm-hmm. And there was no like adversity. There was yeah. no big traumatic mm-hmm. or dramatic coming out story to my family. It was just like this is the next person She's I'm a dating. Really progressive family. So like, I feel bad that I don't have heartache and pain with so many of these big things that have caused so much heartache and pain for others. I feel like I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop and it's been a hard process for me to share openly about because I fell in love and we got married. There was no issues. I wanted to have a baby. We got pregnant. I have a lot of guilt around both of those things.
0: I don't think you should have any guilt around that. It's beautiful. It's freaking beautiful. We feel very, very blessed. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a wonderful story, and it's a wonderful, like, you have kind of a blueprint for how things can go, and in the most beautiful, awesome way, and we need those stories.
1: Which I think is why we are also so open and talk so candidly about my dad being a sperm donor and all of these bio siblings that I, we call each other bio sibs. Every year we get together, we call that biofest. My dad is called bio dad. Um, so like those are the names we've. BioFest is happening July 15th. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> it's well, let's
0: talk about that. Let's talk about this because you told me before we started recording that, well, all the while you're going through this donor search this never entered your dad's mind to tell you <laughs> or my mom and my mom
1: knew that my dad was a sperm donor because they were dating in med school my mom was uh, in social work school my dad was in dental school at NYU and like sperm banks still do to this day they tend to target medical students medical mm-hmm. students and my dad was approached my dad was up to his eyeballs in student debt mm-hmm. um he came from no money and he was like Well, you're going
2: to pay me for this.
1: This (laughs) is great. Like I can actually pay off some of my debt. I can afford my books now. He loved the science mm -hmm, behind it. Mm Yeah. He's like, if this helps somebody great.
0: So he decided to do it.
1: Yeah. We still don't know how many times he did it, but I do have six siblings.
0: So when did you find out and how did this go down? And we have to unpack this because I've heard from so many donor conceived people about, you know, what this, I want to hear your story.
1: My dad did 23andMe when his father died. Yeah. Okay. Um, he was like, I want to know more about my family. And then his results came back and he was like, cool, I'm Nothing 99.9% Ashkenazi Jew. Mm-hmm.
2: Nothing exciting. So he just like turned off notifications and never heard, like, <laughs> never logged in again. My aunt
1: connected with a dog breeder who she got her dog from. And she said, Hey, this might sound weird, but my, my brother-in-law, is looking for a man named jay grossman and i see you're connected to him On, for facebook like mutual is friends. it is it possible that he could be his father and my aunt is like knowing jay probably <laughs> and it's my dad's sister-in-law so this is my mom's sister like <laughs> she has not no very, idea about the sperm donation it, it she didn't has. know about it but it also we we wouldn't put anything past my dad mm-hmm. he's that's just my dad. Right. So she, my my aunt called my mom. She's like, you need to sit down. I need to tell you something about Jay. I don't know if you know about this. <laughs> my mom starts laughing. My mom's like, oh my God, Jay totally did that. I remember this. She
2: says she's been waiting for this call her whole life because she knew there was going to something. Was
1: gonna my happen. mom wanted like eight kids. My dad wanted one. My dad's like, I need what, 23 of me. I don't even know if I know the log. And Britt, of course, hacked her way into my dad's account. And not only was Will waiting there, we had... S- Sabrina, Sabrina and, and, Liz, and
0: Liz, three 50% matches to my dad. Oh. One
1: in
2: Toronto, one in Long Island, and one in uh, Missouri.
0: Okay. So all of a sudden you find out you have donor siblings. All of a sudden you find out your dad- Is a sperm donor. Is a sp-
1: And I'm about three months pregnant with my first donor conceived baby. And so how do you feel? I was like, didn't know what to think. Mm-hmm. Britt goes without, this is <laughs> without missing a beat. Oh my God, this is so amazing. Right. I was like, what? She's like, well, when our kids have questions, they can actually go to biological aunts and uncles and talk to them. Right. Every time I say that, I literally get full body goosebumps. Mm. Um, in that moment, I was like, We love these people. They need to be in our lives. Right, right.
0: <laughs> because they have a perspective that your kids are gonna have.
1: Yeah. yeah. Since then we've yeah. we've now connected with six. So there's yeah. six total. So my when my mom and dad, my mom and dad got married, they had me and my two younger brothers. Separate from the three of us, there's six of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So together there's my, my dad loves telling people he has nine kids. <laughs> from like five women or something oh, like that. Yeah, my dad's. Like he's yeah, he's oh, a you
0: yeah, can make a joke out, dude. Out, of it.
1: out
2: of all of them that the boys were told that they were donor conceived from the get-go.
1: And the women and the girls were not.
0: Interesting. This is what this is the question I was gonna ask.
1: And out of the six, only one of them has same sex parents. Now mm-hmm. uh, who's and one of them is the boy who is
0: told. Right. Yeah. Of course um, he was told same sex parents.
1: Yeah, one of my sisters did Twenty Three and Me because it was a Hanukkah, it was a Christmas gift. <laughs> one of them, her dad was terminally ill, oh. and went in to go see if she could be a donor match for kidney, a kidney, a, a, kidney, or something. a liver, or something. And the doctor was like, "Not only are you not a match, you're not biologically related to this man." Yeah. So she did Twenty Three and Me in hopes of finding her dad. Oh my god! Uh, the other one found out in a terrible, terrible way. Um, the dad that raised her was a horrible man. And she had had a very mean, angry streak to him. And it wasn't until things kind of got really bad before her mom was like, I have something to tell you. That's not your biological father. And the relief that washed over her to be like, thank God I am not biologically tied to that man. So she did it to find her biological father. And then Liz...
2: Her mom was diagnosed with breast cancer.
1: Her dad took off. was like, I don't want to be a part of this.
2: And her aunt or a close friend of her mother's was like, he's not even your dad. So like,
1: you know. There's hope that you actually still have a living parent out there.
0: Wow. And of all of these siblings, because you hear about these, these uh, donor conceived people having like real betrayal. Trauma. Trauma. Yeah. Right. And have you seen that? And my two brothers,
1: no. They were the ones that were told at a young age. So for them, they always knew. Sabrina had a really wonderful dad. She was the one with, the, with terminal cancer. It made her love her dad even more mm. because she really got that her parents went to the end of the world to do whatever they could to have her. Mm-hmm. Hillary was relieved. Mm. That was the one that was relieved to know. But then one of my other sisters, the one that did it just as a fluke, she shared with us, she was like, I don't know if I would have been able to handle it knowing younger
0: Oh wow! Unless she had been told right from birth, though,
1: perhaps it's that's all, true. If it's all she knew.
2: Yeah. If that's all she knew, then maybe. Right. But she's also just like I have a bonus dad, and she always texts like, "Hey, dad, like I'm in town, <laughs> like," and she's
1: like, "Super, just like I have an extra parent. That this is awesome." I think there was that initial shock. Mm-hmm. But I think once they connected with us and we had some space to like talk with each other and they had times to talk with their family that raised them. We really love each other. Mm. Yeah. We're like fr- like really good friends. It's like family. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like they've known each other for their whole Our life. Our whole life. Two of them have gotten married since we've met them and we've been to all of the weddings. Mm-hmm. We've done this together. We literally have done, we call it BioFest and yeah. we make shirts.
0: It's a, I love it. It's It's how it can turn out, you know? in the positive aspect, how it should turn out, right? It doesn't always turn out this way, but it, it gives hope. Yeah. yeah.
1: You have to give a lot of credit to her parents because they're both just like, yes. Right. They all give credit to my mom because my mom was a yes to my dad connecting with them and talking with them. And of course my mom is like, well, of course. Right. Like I always wanted eight kids and now I have nine.
0: Right. Well, and <laughs> and that's like, this is the best case scenario of how these things can go. Right. And we all, yeah. uh, most of us queer families are going to have to deal with something like this down the line, mm-hmm. possibly a lot of us. Yeah.
1: Well, part of the a- donor sibling registry with California Cryobank. And we've connected with one on
2: social media, and it's just like like we love chatting with them. They're actually really Jewish
1: as well. They're a straight Jewish couple, yeah. and I'm obsessed. Yeah, and
0: <laughs> well, let's talk about that then, because you are very open and vocal about the fact that you are raising your kids with your religion, right? And it's very important to you. Let's let's dig into that because yeah. as queers, that's not necessarily across an across the board thing. And why did you decide yeah. to, to stay with the religion and you know, let's dig in. You know, I think
1: it's one of the number one questions. One of the top two questions we're asked all the time is how How do we make both work? How do we make like the gay side of us and the Jewish side of us? How How does our religion allow it? How, and I'm like, I look, there are so many different sects of Judaism. I think Brit and I both identify more spiritually with our Judaism. So that helps. We also live in Los Angeles where we are- more exposed and we have access to more progressive- <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know not only do we have synagogues and temples here who are accepting of all families there are some temples that are like just gay temples like it's yeah. one, one of our friends runs one of the we're allowed,
2: temples and she's a queer
1: rabbi yeah, yeah we're and, and the rabbi the the temple we're with we have a gay cantor. like yeah. it's just the norm here so again like we live in this really kind of comfortable bubble where we can be whoever we want to be and it's safe mm-hmm. people
2: write us for like you know, being in California, more taxes, higher cost of living. It's like, I'd rather pay my extra taxes to have, uh, live in a community, inclusive area community and having like our children be in a religious
1: school with yeah. other queer families. Our daughter she, yeah. is in her actual class. She has, there's two other families that are donor conceived, donor
0: conceived, same sex. Oh, wow. Families. So, and this is yeah. a private Jewish yeah. school.
1: Yeah. yeah. And they're both Jewish. Yeah.
0: yeah. It really matters where you the bubble, the bubble matters for us. Like, nobody, nobody I know is going to move to Florida any day soon. I don't even want to fly in and out of there. No, I know. Um, mm.
1: We were both raised Jewish. She was actually raised Orthodox, and I was raised conservative, erring on the side of reform and reconstructionist. But I think it wasn't until we were engaged that I realized how much I identify with my Judaism. We met with our rabbi a bunch of times to kind of create the ceremony and what we wanted. And we opted to leave our our ceremony was done in English and in Hebrew. So for every section that was read, it was done Mm -hmm. in both languages. Like most other um, languages, there's a male and female of the verbs and the words, and we had her keep it as is. So there was male and female words being used to identify both of us. So we kept that part the same. And then the, Part that we had our rabbi describe was she said, Look, we're keeping the words the same, not because this is a man and a woman, but because we all encompass and embody masculine and feminine sides in each of us. And I was like, Perfect. Mm -hmm.
2: That
1: works. (laughs) That's how we made it work for us. We both got to step on the glass and And like we. We share all the responsibilities. There's not one person yeah. that wears the pants in the relationship. We
2: oh, that's my are- the most hated comment. Mm-hmm. Who's the man in the relationship? Oh, it's I like know. there is no man in this relationship.
1: Yeah, but we are but, both
2: wearing pants. Yeah, but um, <laughs> you know, that's the <laughs> I, I can't are. speak for most religions, but I do know in Judaism what I love about it is that there are it's a spectrum of like very conservative, very orthodox to reconstructionist which is spiritual
1: spiritual, musical
2: and and almost like like more modern in terms of like take the pieces that fit for you and make it work yeah and and it's more of being a good human and just like how to like having something that binds you to humanity it's more of like how do we how do we take care of refugees and how do we take care of the planet jews were refugees after they left israel like you know if no one took care of us back then thousands of years ago we would not be where we are today. So that is why we need to take care of, you know, refugees now. Like, like it just applies and it, and it has nothing to do with like, we have to only take care of ourselves right? or like we, we have to take care of other Jews, not, no, it's like humanity. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I actually always say like, the reason I love Judaism is because, and why I believe in God and all that stuff is because I want my kids to feel like, there's someone they can talk to, like whether it's in their head or at night or out loud or whatever. But I also want them to feel like there's something like. Bigger like, than us. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm going to do the right thing because he's watching. Like like when I was a kid, I always felt like that. It's like I need to do the right thing now because God's watching. And it's like it just made me make good decisions in like times where people could choose. It was a guide. You
0: know, mm-hmm. y- it's motivation to be good. It's motivation to be a kind and good person in the universe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, it's something that about, like binds you to humanity. I think that's what, the biggest thing.
0: And it's what's important to you, right? And yeah. and that's the beauty of our families. There is no mold. Mm-hmm. And so we get to decide how we do this. We get to decide. And that's yeah, why yeah. we're all so different it, with our families, yeah. with how we handle faith, how we handle all, and that's the beauty. And the lesson yeah. is... It's none of anybody's business. It's not your business how we're raising our kids. we're tr- We're raising them to be kind humans, and that matters. But all the rest, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We got it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. some of my proudest moments of being a mom is when my kids come home um, and the songs that they choose to like you know, they'll pick up their little play guitar or mm-hmm. their drums. And the songs they're singing are Shabbat songs and Hanukkah songs <laughs> year round. It's cute. The Hanukkah songs are the ones that kill me with the year round part. But like, it'll be like Tuesday. And like the song that Nathan is singing on, in the car on the way to school mm-hmm. is the blessings. So every Friday for Shabbat, you light the candles. He's singing that prayer.
0: I love that. I actually that. love that ritual. I'm like, mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't think I've ever been more proud <laughs> of anything ever than watching Nathan. Just that's what he sings in the yeah. car. Like- no. no, not melon. Yeah,
0: good for him. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody needs to hear yeah. like, melon anymore. It's so wonderful to hear your story and to hear your perspective on things. And like, as somebody who was not personally raised with religion at all, had no religion. Don't, I don't have any of that dogma or whatever. Like I wasn't, I don't have it. So I don't like, I don't miss it, you know, and I'm raising my kids yeah. kind of the way I was raised. And to me, that's. That's great and wonderful, and I, cre- I, and I turned out a beautiful human, and I care yeah. about all the things you just said. But we all, ha- you know, we do what feels the best and most right for us, and it's so wonderful to hear totally yeah. everybody's different experiences. And um, some of us identify more with this, and some of us identify more with that, and that's the beauty, and that's why we have to tell our stories, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah, you two have been sharing your lives for everyone to like you're, you're sharing so that yeah. we're normalizing and we're uplifting and we're highlighting how beautiful yeah. our families and our relationships can be. And I'm grateful to you. Yeah,
1: I, I've always wanted to get something printed and made for our home, but the thing that we say the most in our house is visibility matters. Yeah, <laughs> And when we, when we travel, like, look, we, like you said, we're, we're not planning on going to Florida anytime <laughs> soon, but we, my family has had a annual tra- uh, tradition where we always go to Zion National Park. Mm. So that's in Utah. Mm. So we don't not go to Utah. We go to Utah and we hold hands yeah. and we kiss and we have our family there because visibility matters. Yeah. And yeah. it's a tourist trap. That's where a lot of people like to go and, and you know, see an, at the national park there. So you're seeing people f- all walks of life. I like when we're there because we get to kind of leave our little and Jewish mark
2: yeah, we, in Utah. Yeah, we we intentionally, like we. she turned to me and I, we turned to each other really. And I was just like, it's like a small town. You walk and you window shop, you get ice cream, fudge, all that stuff. And I'm like, just like, let's, you know, up the PDA. Like, let's hold hands. Let's like get, if there's so
0: one kid somewhere like,
2: watching. Like this is the place that visibility matters. Oh you my know? God,
0: good for you. And that is scary to do. I find it very scary. I, I can get that. I can yeah. get that. And also, but when you become a parent, a queer parent, you have to do this kind of stuff because your kids are watching.
1: Well, there's that. It was in our vows at our wedding. We said that we wanted our kids not only to know how much that they are loved, but for them to know how much we love each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's missing in a lot of marriages.
2: I remember seeing my parents being like PDA, like holding hands, hand in like their back pocket, kind of like cuddly, like at a grocery store once. And I was like, what's
1: Going on, like, <laughs> that's and that was that was oh, the no, norm, no. and that was the norm for my family.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you're carrying on, and you know what? We need we need couples like you doing that. We need parents like you doing that because a lot of us, some of us, are still really afraid to to have PDA. Like it's. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's hard. It's scary for many many queer folks oh. out there. And, and,
2: had and a lot of people approach us at grocery stores and like recite Bible verses. But they've all been oh very they've
1: all been very kind. No, I mean not really. No. <laughs> like, the fact that they're doing that. Well, look, I know, get it. They were raised a certain way and they believe certain things. That's totally fine and valid. I never ignorant. felt invalidated, yeah. uh-huh. and I yes, <laughs> I never felt. <laughs> I never felt like we were, you know, like there's rallies where things get out of control Mm -hmm. and it's all Bible verses and people are threatening and there's violence and anger. I've never, I've never felt that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And in the same vein, like, look, like I remember when Britt and I were planning our honeymoon and I was just looking haphazardly at all these places and Britt goes, just make sure wherever you're looking, it's accepting of, of gay relationships. Mm -hmm. And I was like,
0: what? Right.
2: And even if it's not a violent thing, like... The Maldives know. is not like a violent place for queer people to go. Or Jewish. I don't want to support an economy with my tourism money in a place that, you know, outlaws and, and
1: imprisons queer people. Yeah, so like, we, we've always had to kind of you know, weigh the pros and cons. Um, part of it is is we definitely need to be safe. But now that we have kids, I, we take it obviously even further. We need to make sure that it's it's safe. But we're not just a same sex couple, we're a same sex Jewish couple mm-hmm. and Jews have the, the anti-Semitism that's been on the rise these last couple of years is, is scary. Yes. i like, I think I'm actually more scared to be out and Jewish than out and gay in some parts of the world. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. so I just kind of feel like it's a double whammy and, and I want the kids to see the world and I want to go places where we're welcomed. And like Britt said, I want to support cities and towns and countries that support us. And like, look, we're, we're
0: gonna still. You're still gonna go to mean, Zion. Listen, we, it's important, but right.
1: And visibility
2: starts here, right? We we always put our flag out for the month of June. Mm-hmm. And then last month, last <laughs> June, somebody, one of our neighbors, said something about like he's a retired cop, and he was like, "Oh, I'm glad I'm not on the force these days. I don't, I would, would not know, know how, how to, to deal with you people."
1: And so I have kept our flag up, yeah, the entire year.
0: Yeah, don't take it down. And then,
1: and then, a, a house on our on our street went up. Um, oh, uh, the house across the street from us went up.
2: For sale. So then I was like, great, our flags out. Cause I, you know,
0: yeah. You need to know. Like, you need to put the you know how yeah. they have those stickers for the car with all the kids. You need like a cutout on yeah. your lawn if you have a lawn. Like you need a cutout of the two women and the three children. Yeah, just the, just so as you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> We're we here flag out every time, <laughs> every time a house down the street in our like little area goes for sale. I'm like, yeah, let's. we just keep out. We just keep our flag
1: out year yeah. round now. because yeah. love it's it. It's pretty yeah. also.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And well, our yeah. daughter's favorite color is rainbow, so it. it well, works. yeah,
0: I think most of our kids' favorite colors are rainbow at some point because we inundate <laughs> My them. My favorite color
1: growing <laughs> with, up. <laughs> it's part of the agenda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. our gay agenda. Yes, it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but just don't tell anyone. Yeah, I have one last question for you, and this is a loaded question. Sorry to throw it on you, but what does pride mean to you?
1: It goes back to Visibility Matters. It's a celebration of who we are today. It is an accomplishment of where we've come and where we have yet to go. It is a moment where we get to reflect on the not so pride celebratory stuff. It it is part of that too. It's the other side of it.
2: I think it's a celebration of everything that we've really had to go through. I think that it is an opportunity to say we're not going back in the closet and we are here we are grateful and proud of where we've come and how we've gotten there so you know I think it all you know it has so many folds now for so many people it's an opportunity to like come out it's an opportunity to educate others it's an opportunity to like feel like included but I think at the end of the day you know we had to deal with police raids and being arrested and, and attacked and brutalized and so it's like no where we're taking our power back. And, and that's what pride means. And I, it goes back to visibility, visibility matters. That's how we can show our pride all the time. Um, not just in, you know, June.
0: I love that. I love that answer. That's a good, that was a well. That was a good answer without any thought before. I didn't even, I just sprung it on you. Good, good job. You too. Really has been such a pleasure. I feel like we could really talk for hours, and so I might have to just bring you back, and and we're going to dive into more stuff because, you know, parenting as a queer parent, we we could talk for hours about this. So parenting period. Well, yeah, there's yeah. that too. Yes, yeah. Take it's out the gay part, and it, it's still a lot. It's still a lot. So yeah. I just am so happy that I got to meet you, and that you're a part of the queer fam squad now, and um. I want you back and I want to know all of the details and I can't wait for the fourth baby. So you have to keep me posted.
1: We have our hmm. biofest coming up. So all the bio sibs are going to be together again in July. And then yeah, baby number four hopefully will will come within the next couple of years.
0: Oh my God. This is and amazing. We're happy to
1: come back whenever you're whenever you're free.
0: Yeah. I would love it. Okay. This has been just such a joy. Mwah, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Queer Family Podcast. Well, folks, I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Queer Family Podcast. And if you did, if you did, you got to do all the things. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to this here little show wherever you listen or watch. Those things make a huge difference in getting this little show out to the rest of the world. And we really want to do that in the name of visibility right? And inclusion. So let's do that. And uh, you can always join my Patreon and get the video episode dropped a day early. So you can be the first to be in the know at patreon.com. Slash the Queer Family Podcast. And make sure you're following me on all the socials. The Queer Family Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And go get your Pride merchandise. I have so many fun designs, so many different products in my merchandise store. You're gonna find that at tpublic.com slash the queer family podcast. You can also find it on my website at the queer family podcast dot com. Go do that. Share this. Rate. It. You know what you can also do? Did you know that you can also take a friend's phone and just subscribe and rate and review to my show on their phone too? You can totally do that. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, I'm really not opposed, especially your straight friends. Why not? They're allies. Let's, let's, just, let's just get all the subscribers we can. Why not? You know what I mean? <laughs> And if you like this here episode, feel free to listen to the next one or watch it on YouTube. We got a lot of fun stuff happening on our YouTube channel. so I love you all. Thank you for tuning in. Please continue to tune in and continue to share this with your folks because the more visible we are, the better this world's going to become. I I wholeheartedly believe it. So mwah, tune into next week. It's a really good one. I can't believe these folks said yes <laughs> I'm still in shock. Okay, that's it. Tune in. I love y'all. Mwah. I'll be back soon. In your ears. Love is love is love
2: on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love.